This is Time Signatures with Jim Irvin, a podcast and radio program presented by the Capital Area Blues Society in Lansing, Michigan. Most any contemporary musical style can trace its roots back to the blues. Time Signatures explores the blues and its musical connections with captivating interviews, lively discussions, and news from the world of the blues. Now, here he is, your host, Jim Irvin. Thank you very much, Parker. Thank you so much. And thank you to you for being here on Time Signatures. I'm Jim Irvin. And uh, my guest today, I'm, I'm not going to go through the whole, the whole long introduction that I did on the first round because there's just too much there. We want to get back to the uh, discussion. But John Namath, uh, four-time Blues Award winner, Blues Music Award winner, You've been nominated like 20 times, I believe. Is that right? Oh, who knows? But I've won five. <laughs> oh, you've won five. Okay. I stand corrected. Yeah. That's yeah. Cra- that's um, crazy. Soul Blues, Soul Blues album, Soul Blues artist, uh, harmonica, yep. vocalist, and traditional blues album. Wow. And we are going to talk about uh, the 2023 because that's that's a big one for you. That was one you won uh, two more of these this year, correct? That's right. Okay, yeah, so we're going to get into that. I want to step back a little bit, though, and uh, we're kind of progressing through your career here. Uh, when you were, uh, were signed to the Blind Pig Records in 2007, uh, released the Magic Touch, which was produced by Anson Funderburg, then Love Me Tonight in 09, Name the Day in 2010, both of which landed at number six on the Blues Billboard charts. But along the way, uh, before these two albums came to be, Elvin Bishop reached out to you and recruited you for a project, correct? Yeah, he uh, had me um, on his Blues Rolls On album. Mm-hmm. And I think that was released in 2008. And uh, we cut that record at his studio. It was cool, man. Uh, I sang half the songs on an album which had... Derek Trucks, George Thorogood, B.B. King, wow. uh, James Cotton, and Angela Straley, and Kim Wilson, and many great players and legendary musicians uh, backing the band up. And uh, so that was a hell of an honor to be in that situation. Now, from that point on, you really were on your way. Uh, as we talked about, you uh, compiled some 20 Blues Music Award nominations, and then you won uh, your BMAs, one for the Best New Artist Debut Recording in the Sean Costello Rising Star Award. Uh, Memphis Grease hit number four on the Billboard Blues charts, and then you took the 2014 BMA for Best Soul Blues Artist, and in 2015, uh, Best Blues Album for this project, and by the way, that was about the time you relocated to Memphis, correct? Yeah, I had actually relocated to Memphis in 2013. Okay. And got the Memphis Grease album then, which was released in 2014. And uh, yeah, and, and I used the, the Memphis band, the Bo Keys, on that album. Now, I have to ask you, I mean, being in Memphis has got to be especially for a blues singer, it's got to be an incredible experience, but I would imagine that would really impact your, your musical chops, if you will. Yes. Oh, for sure. Memphis is a blues town. Mm-hmm. 
the the way people speak, the groove of the life here, and uh, and the jokes and the delivery and all of that kind of thing. It's it's very blues, and then and then the gospel music here, which is a huge impact on the music, is mm-hmm. uh, it's ground zero. It's the root. It's the motherland. John, describe, if you will, your creative process when you're writing. Do you, do you start with the lyrics? Do you start with the music? What's what's your process? Oh, I start with the lyrics. You know, every song is a story. You know, uh, I come up with the title. You know, a hook that I think is funny. You know, or or uh, or interesting to be a tune, and then I build up the uh, I build up the story around it, and. Mm-hmm. and uh, I write in the blues style, which sometimes the song will mean two different things. I use innuendo and and double entendres. Uh, I was going to say, you know, I wouldn't think you were a normal blues singer if you didn't do that. Yeah, well, believe it or not, I mean, these days, most songwriters, they don't do that anymore. They just, they just, you know... Because the listener doesn't have the imagination like uh, like the listeners used to have back in the day. You know, you, people want it just spelled out for them. Okay. Uh, but uh, that's the way I do it. Well, I was just going to say because you know when we uh, I went down to the Jackson Blues Fest uh, back here in spring, and Taranzo was in town from Chicago, and and you know he put on a great show. But there was plenty of double entendres, and just it was a good time. It was you know. Uh, getting a getting a full taste of the Chicago blues with him and Joanna Connor was just incredible. Absolutely a blast. You talking about Jackson, Mississippi? No, no, Jackson, Michigan. I, I probably should have said that. Sorry. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh well, Toronzo, man. Yeah, he's been around a long time. I don't know how yeah. old he is, but he's old enough to know better. And uh, yeah, I think a lot of that, like when I talked about, like in in the previous uh, interview about. Um, being down in Mississippi and having the audience, you know, understanding all the lyrics. And mm-hmm. I think a lot of what I write these days is is over the heads of of probably eighty percent of the the listeners. I don't think they're. But you're a blues fan. You're a blues listener. You know, so you right. you you enjoy the music for all those kind of things. But you know, that's what's cool about the blues is that you can listen to the music. And just enjoy the feeling of the music and and the melodies, and the grooves. You can enjoy the the original intent of the lyrics without even getting into the double entendre. Yeah, um, well, and I think one of the things for for me as a listener, I want to have music that makes me feel. And you know, the, a lot of your music I've noticed, and I I don't. I don't just buy CDs to support the musician. I buy the CDs because I enjoy what I hear. And I, the, one of the things that I noticed on your, your newest album, Live from Fallout, from the Fallout Shelter, is Come and Take It. When I heard that song, it, was, it just became instantly an absolute jam for me. Um, and I guess the best way that I can, I'll just describe it as a, uh, a non-professional reviewer. I love the strolling harp, the guitar licks, the vocals. Everything was just off the hook. And um, if I'm not mistaken, the way I was exposed to that was your appearance at the Heritage Blues Festival in Wheeling just a couple weekends ago. 
And um, I was like, man, this I gotta I gotta get this CD. It's all there is to it. I'm glad you like that tune. Yeah, see that tune's one of those tunes where the the term "come and take it" mm-hmm. has been in the United States ever since the trials and tribulations with the British government. Right. And it's it's also become a slogan for the folks that want to own um, an AR-15 with a bump stock and uh, fully automatic, yep. you know? Yep. So the song can appeal to so many different people. And then the underlying message of the song is trying to entice a woman right. to come and make love. And so <laughs> it, it has... Uh, it has uh, it has two uh, two things going on at the same time, and and depending on who I'm singing to, uh, I can pitch the tune to different people and get uh, get uh, different reactions out of the song. And I and I imagine you you probably based on what I saw when I was watching that video, um, it seemed like the crowd was really into it. No matter no matter how you were pitching it, they loved it. <laughs> exactly, yeah. You know, and it, it it fires up the imagination. Like I look into the crowd and I see the imagination of the of the different uh, of the different people listening to the tune, and um, and there's a little bit of, in that song for everybody. You're listening to Time Signatures. I am your host, Jim Irvin, and along with me is five-time Blues Music Award winner, John Namath. I got that corrected. And uh, we're just having a good time talking about the blues and about his career. And uh, we mentioned uh, the Heritage Blues Festival down in Wheeling, West Virginia. Did you happen to catch Matthias or Ben Levin by chance, the piano player? Uh, no, I didn't see their shows. Okay. I, w- I was wondering because they're, they're two young up and comers. Of course, Matthias won the, uh, 2023, uh, IBC for the group and also for guitarist. And then Ben Levin is on his way. He's, uh, from Cincinnati and in just an absolutely incredible pianist, but it's so much fun and it does my heart good because I'm, I'm older, I'm 58 and I love seeing the younger generation come to the fore. I love seeing that. Do you get a chance to to mentor some of these younger uh, musicians along the way? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm I'm a friend of, uh, with Matthias, and okay. uh, I don't know Ben, and I'm not familiar with his music, but I'll check it out. Um, yeah, but I I dig all these folks that are coming up. I like this guy, Blind Boy Paxton. And the guitar player that I had in my band in Wheeling, one of the guitar players, uh, his name is Yates McKendry. But I don't know if he won or not, but he got it. He was nominated for uh, Best New Artist for the BMAs. Okay. And then guy, Mac McDonald, who was the other guitar player. And, and I think this guy is one of the greatest dudes in the United States. Uh, but he's a real traditional blues player. And it's, it's tough to get ahead if, you, if you're a traditional blues guy. And uh, I like this guy, John Tavius Willis, who's a really fantastic uh, player. 
and kingfish is uh, i like kingfish oh, a yeah. lot too there's so many out there you know and it's it's great there's so much talent i just wish they all could really make a good living off of this stuff you know uh that's my hope you know for the future of the blues yeah i i have to agree with you and uh you know that's one of the things that and I, I, I got a little bit of an education when we went to see Buddy Guy uh, over in Grand Rapids during his farewell tour this summer. And he was talking about how the blues took off in Europe before they ever took off in the United States. To me, it, it, it bothered me. It's like, I, I don't know why we were so hesitant back then. I don't know why we're so hesitant now where, you know, we don't, we, we can't embrace, or a lot of people can't embrace. I do. I, I love traditional, but I love the uh, I love the fusion, too. I like a little bit of everything. But it's fun for me when I see these new guys come out. King Solomon Hicks is another one. Yeah, yeah. Just a, a whole bunch. I mean, and, in, and you get, you know, people like you, people like Larry McRae, people like Toronzo, you know, the, the standards that have been, you know, blazing the trail, if you will. And um, I, I like the fact that there's such a variety out there that are encompassed. It's not, it's not being just a straight line. You know, the blues aren't just in a box, if you will. Well, the blues is really, you know, it's, it's the music of the people. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's the music of black people. And I think as time goes on, more white people can sympathize and, and relate to the music and blues is in everything else it's in you know that guy the country star chris stapleton you know i mean yes, man, he wouldn't be anything blues yep and you got a guy like lil nas who had the big is a black man who had the biggest number one hit of all time in country music and he's he's very blues influenced but I think a lot of it comes down to this. Little Nas was at number one longer than any other country artist as a black man. And Nashville decided to remove him from the country music billboard mm. because he's he's a gay black man. And you just can't have a gay black guy at number one in country music and owning it with, um, I can't remember the guy who sang Achy Breaky Heart. Um, <laughs> Billy Ray Cyrus. Billy Ray Cyrus is singing on that tune. But they owned it. And I think what I'm seeing right now is that, you know, I love Jesus more than anybody else. But, man, you know, there's so much Jesus on the bottom end of the dial. But to have a full-time blues radio station in the United States, impossible. Well, and, and uh, yeah, I agree with you. And let me let me throw this in there. Uh, Sirius XM Radio is another one. I two channels that I've found that is the traditional the BB King Blues Channel, and then there's another one out there. But that's it. And there's there should be you've got all these channels for the you know music from the from the classic rock era. Why couldn't you have three or four blues channels? We totally can, and, and the reason why those channels are on there and, and they've been on there forever and they haven't been taken off is because the customers listen to them, you know, and they've got sure. the data research. Or even for that matter, you know, even like 
the traditional uh, country music, which mm-hmm. you know you, you you don't you don't have that. I think it's just one of those things where you know the government doesn't like um, stuff they can't control, and the big pop market doesn't like people that play their own instruments all the time. You know, and they don't want to have a million bands out there making money. They would like to narrow it down to like you know a good few hundred bands that are making all the money rather than, you know, 20,000 bands making money. Right. So it's, it's business and it's politics to make it difficult for the blues. And I think Europe digs it because, you know, Europe gets a feeling for what the United States is going through, through the blues and through rap and and black music um black people will help for like almost like the barometer of the health of the country um as a minority and that's really fantastic at music like for instance um this was pretty cool this gal and i think she might be from sweden but she sent me a clip of her performing a song of mine called keep the love a coming and there's lyrics in there like a whole lot of families are living on the street and their poor children ain't got nothing to eat. Now, the government doesn't want any of that on the radio. You know, it's just like you can't find rap on the radio either, you know. Uh, you know, they, they have just, you know, pop, hip-hop and, and all the stuff that doesn't upset people. You know, that's the world we're living in in the United States. Uh, they put the candy coating on everything, you know, and try to make it seem like everything's Ruby Doo rather than talking about the My guest is John Namath. You are listening to Time Signatures with Jim Irvin and uh, having a good conversation, but here we are. We've only got a few minutes left out of this segment. And uh, man, I got to tell you, you have just made this absolutely fly by so quickly. But I want to ask you, a young lady by the name of Mary Lou, uh, former vice president from the Sacramento Blues Society, was telling me about a time at the Bender when you were doing the uh, the the classic song Kool Aid Pickle, and a bunch of the ladies, including her, had inflatable pickles and they were having a time waving them around. Do you remember that that event? Oh yeah, I'll never forget it. I love my fans, <laughs> greatest people on the earth, man, and 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 I remember those ladies and and they had their inflatable pickles out there dancing around with them and and. Uh, in Las Vegas, and I might add that the guitar player on my Feeling Freaky record, which uh, has the Kool-Aid Pickle song on it, okay, is Johnny Rhodes from Detroit, Michigan. Yeah, I know Johnny. Very cool. Great, really, really great player. And uh, yeah, that song came about because I was in Jackson, Mississippi, performing down there, and as I was walking back to my dressing room, these ladies hollered at me uh, as I was walking by, and these ladies were renting a Kool-Aid pickle tent. <laughs> and they had every flavor of Kool-Aid pickle you could imagine. And oh, my goodness. They gave me one of each flavor, and and the band and I, we, we ate Kool-Aid pickles and watched Macy Gray. <laughs> Very, that, was, that would be cool. I mean, I, I would love to see Macy Gray, but it, it, it's... It, the the fan base in the blues genre to me 
I think they seem to be some of the most personable uh, fans in the world. But I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that the blues artists are also very reachable. I mean, I didn't have to go through and talk to, you know, 15 people, your PR guy and stuff like that to get you to come on with the program. I just reached out to you and found you on social media and you said yes. Yeah, well, I'm not that busy. Um, <laughs> like uh, maybe a gigantic pop star, you know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think I think the economics of the music keeps uh, keeps all the artists very grounded, you know, and uh, and available. And you know, when we're all doing our shows, almost every blues artist is is gonna come out into the audience and say hello. I mean, Buddy Guy, he puts on a wireless and walks the walks the crowd and. Yes, sir. And he stopped about I, three feet in front of me when we went to see him in June. I saw him walk out yeah. in the crowd and I walked over to see him and he stopped in front of me and he jammed for about 10 seconds. And it was one of the coolest things in the world. Yeah. I think that, you know, because the music, like I said before, blues is the music of the people and blues musicians are really just regular people, not trying to be somebody they ain't. They're just being who they are and, and who, who isn't somebody that lo doesn't love somebody else you know there's so much love in the music you know the music is love and 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 the desire for love and the desire for for freedom and and uh, good times john namath it has been a pleasure to have you on once again uh we would like you to share where people can find your music where can they where can they go to book you where where can they find john namath you can go to johnnamath.com J-O-H-N-N-E-M-E-T-H.com. Uh, you can find me on Facebook, uh, Instagram. I have a store on my website. Yes. You can buy my record stores. You can buy my music on Amazon, iTunes, Spotify, wherever you wherever you want to listen to your music, you know, however you get it. I'm, yes. I'm out there, and I get your support. And, and do me a favor, if you do happen to go over to his page, you need to get a copy of Fallout Shelter, and you've got to listen to Come and Take It. It is bar none, like I said, my absolute jam, and I think you'll enjoy it. Once again, John, we appreciate having you with us, and for our listeners, we appreciate you being here as well. Uh, by all means, tune in again, and we are going to do our best to help keep the blues alive. We'll see you soon. This has been Time Signatures with Jim Irvin, presented by the Capital Area Blues Society in Lansing, Michigan. For more information on cabs, visit capitalareablues.org. You can find this episode and past episodes at lccconnect.org. The Time Signatures theme song, Michigan Roads, is used by permission and was written by Root Doctor, featuring Freddie Cunningham. Until next time, keep on keeping the blues alive.